Hello and welcome to Maybe We Can Fix This, a podcast where I, your host Morgan, talk with a variety of guests about video games that we enjoy that have some sort of large flaw to them and how we might be able to fix them. But yes, and joining me this week we have Will. Will, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us, tell whatever listeners we have a little bit about you? Hi, I'm Will. Um, I am a law and policy scholar and also an inveterate gamer. Um, I've been a panelist for Aresia so a whole bunch of times. I've also staffed that con. Um, I tend to do packs and whatnot. Uh, I, when I used to have a lot more free time, I fancied myself a, a literary critiquer of video games in particular, but also movies and television. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's me in a nutshell. Well, happy to have you. So this week we are talking about Bethesda's Fallout 4. Now, um, if any of our listeners have not played the Fallout games, they are a series of post-apocalyptic themed uh, RPGs and later ones uh, first-person shooters with RPG elements um, that take place in a post-nuclear apocalypse in the United States where culture is sort of frozen in... The 1950s, but technology is, I believe there is a word for when the trope where technology is sort of all over the place, but there's, you know, sci-fi nonsense happening. Lots Um, and lots of it. (laughs) Lots and lots of it, particularly in Fallout 4, which has, of course, multiple flavors of androids and laser weapons. Um, So to start out with, uh, Will, why did you play Fallout 4? So my introduction to the Fallout universe was with Fallout 3. And that was also my introduction to Bethesda's sort of style of, of game writing and creation. Um, the, the world, the Bethesda, at the time that I played it, Fallout 3's main arc was very, very, very good right up until the ending, which was horrible. Um, but the side quests and sort of like the, the rich, expansive open world that was just full of content, all sorts of just surprisingly creative and well-executed content, I, could, I wound up spending dozens and dozens of hours just wandering around to see what, what would happen. Um, I also am kind of a sucker for survival games in general, and Fallout, the Fallout franchise has, you know, sort of like clawing your way back to civilization after a nuclear holocaust um, as one of its central themes. And so the games, uh, Fallout 3 was in particular full of just sort of like assembling things from scrap pieces of, of whatever the hell and, uh, and getting by that way. I then played Fallout New Vegas, which uh, was written and, and you know, made by another studio, but still published by Bethesda. Um, it was actually the people who did New Vegas had done prior Fallout titles, uh, so they actually had experience in this. And so New Vegas was had much more of a traditional Fallout story to it. Um, you know, editing note: Fallout New Vegas is made by Obsidian Entertainment, which was founded by multiple members of Black Isle Studios, which had made Fallout One and Two. But uh, but I do know they did. They worked on at least two other uh, Fallout games, um, and. Uh, uh, it was before Bethesda bought the IP. So Bethesda basically said, hey, do you want to do another one? Here's the Fallout 3 engine. And so they, they stamped out New Vegas. And it, it's got, like, the New California Republic, which features prominently in the in the prior Fallout games. Right. Um, and that has less of the 
sort of barely holding it together with duct tape feel to it because it's in a an area where there's like established that there are nations again and so mm-hmm. there is a form of civilization and so it's much more political but it still had this like desert survival like learn to find water and like what plants you can eat sort of element to it especially if you actually had the survival yes which i always you show me a survival setting and i'm turning that crap on like it's gonna happen um so then fallout 4 comes out and first of all i very much enjoyed fallout 3 and very much enjoyed fallout new vegas and second of all i live in the boston area and fallout 4 is boston so you're damn right i'm playing that i play the hell out of that in a heartbeat i bought it on launch day it's the first bethesda game i bought on launch day nice were you satisfied with it? Sometimes. <laughs> so, and we're going to get into this. Like, we Fall- are, we are. Fallout 4 has a lot wrong with it. There's a lot that's really, really good with it. And it's it makes me cry deeply inside how much potential Fallout 4 had and how little of it was actually delivered because when they were on their when they were on their game on fallout 4 hot damn was it awesome but there were so many just gross you didn't think your clever plan all the way through or like it's clear that at some point someone in higher management decided to to take direct control over a creative process and and shut an entire thing down or that the game some of the game's parts were obviously designed by committee and it's tragic and i know bethesda's a smaller studio and they're splashing around in the triple a playground but i mean come on i mean fallout 3 was a smashing success skyrim was a big success new vegas was a big success and on launch day like fallout 4 uh topped 750 million dollars so like you don't get to really use that as an excuse anymore as far as i'm concerned so i'm just i'm really disappointed and it became the last bethesda game that i spent money on that's fair um for my part uh my introduction to the fallout franchise was wasteland the first one on dos oh wow which for any listener that's not familiar the fallout franchise basically started because a company wanted to make a new wasteland game um which has a sort of a similar it has a very similar sort of feel um though obviously the original one was much simpler in terms of presentation based on the limitations at the time um and it isn't as silly in in most regards um except perhaps in kill messages like exploded like a blood sausage but um but yeah so i'd um played that uh when i was a kid Though I didn't beat it until until later, um, and then eventually, like I believe I tried Fallout One before I had tried Fallout Three, but eventually I ended up playing Fallout because I'd played Oblivion, which is from their Elder Scrolls series. Also, played very Fallout good. Three took me a long time to beat Fallout Three because of uh, glitches. Oh um, god, so many. More recently, I played through New Vegas, and I finally sat down and, and tried to play through Fallout Four. Um, which I put a significant number of hours and time into and then failed to actually complete because of glitches that prevented me from actually completing any of the endings, which is um, almost impressive. Um, But as you said, like, there are things the game does very well. And I think before we sort of get into what we would want to change, perhaps... I do want to sort of focus on sort of 
for me, it, uh, one of the times where it succeeded at doing the sort of things I expect out of a Fallout game. Um, so Fallout has one of its big overarching thing, themes is that this Volt Tech company made a bunch of nuclear holocaust shelters that were basically just uh, social experiments of varying kinds. Or also scientific ones. And one in particular that ended up sticking with me. Um, there is... It is for... Shoot, what is her name? Kate, I think? One okay. of the side, one of the companions you get in Fallout 4 is a drunk, drug-using, like, you know, shit-talking uh, woman. And as part of her quest, her quest line, she's like, I want to get clean. I've heard that there was this vault where they could just cure people's addictions. Um, and so you, you look for it with her and you find it. Um, and like most of the vaults that you encounter in the game, it's trashed. Everyone's dead. You know, there's some monsters living there. It looks like, you know, a hurricane swept through. And you start to find, you know, the, the audio logs and the, and the computer entries of, like, what happened? How did this place work? And the first thing you learn is their cure for addictions works. They could just cure people of that. Um, which is remarkable. Uh, and so they had... You can find entries from the first few years after the bombs dropped of them, like, just living their lives underground, like, and it's like, you know, you have, like, the nurses and such that were assigned to the place, and you have, like, all these addicts that have been brought in to see if this treatment would work. And, you, like, you find entries of them, like, you know, you know, turning their lives around and all of these things. And then you can find a computer where... As basically with all of these vaults, you find the entries from the person who was there for Vault Tech running an experiment. And so Vault Tech knew that this tech would work, but wanted to know what would happen is after if after some large amount of time, um, after being cured, if you just made the drugs available, what would people do? Yeah, that sounds like Vault Tech. <laughs> Which, which is the sort of thing Vault Tech does. Um, and, like, it's, you know, it is a literal situation of get everyone clean, give them five years of, like, adjusting where the only thing they didn't have would be, like, an exposure therapy because there just were no mind-altering substances. They didn't have to deal with them. They weren't going through withdrawal or anything, they, but they... There was no temptation. And then one day this mole who was posed as a nurse just like opens up a ceiling panel and dumps a bunch of drugs in the middle of the floor. And they tore each other apart. Um, those of them that had been so strongly addicted to like some of the more... I guess dangerous uh, substances just couldn't resist it being in front of them because that hadn't been part of their uh, 
therapy and overcoming things. Like, instead of, you know, a 12-step program of some equivalent, they just, you know, sat down in a chair for a bit and, oh, I don't want cocaine every minute of my life. But then someone dumped a pile of cocaine on them. Yep. And I was just so angry um, at these at the Voltec employees and the people who designed this experiment because they it's it's such like a microcosm of them how they toyed with the lives of the entire American people uh, with all these volts where like they gave these people everything they needed just to see if they could destroy them. And, like, you get, you read the entries of one person who, like, when everyone first saw the pile and started going for things, like, took off and hid in his room as everything started getting, you know, crazy. Because not only were people going and being like, oh, man, this stuff that I, you know, used to be on all the time, some of these drugs would make you violent and such. So it just, you know, exacerbated the problem. Um, and just the heartbreak of this person who's just like, they did this to us, you know? Yep. Um, and like for me, where in my experience with the Fallout games I've played, so much of it has been Vault Tech and what they've done. Like it was just very, it was a good moment. Uh, I say good like that because I certainly didn't feel good. No, but, but if, it if did you're a hating good job Vault-Tec. at making me feel. Yeah, if you're hating Vault-Tec that much, um, they're doing their job. And it's not necessarily a story that only a game could tell, but I still think that the game told it well. Uh, and I want to start with a good story about the game before we start getting into things. <laughs> yeah, um, that's fair. So, why don't you start? What's the problem with Fallout 4? Oh, God. Uh, so I, there's sort of four main things. Two of them are mechanics and two of them are writing. But the, okay. the sort of what they all have in common is that the, these are moments when the mechanics and the game and its lore, when it just doesn't come together, either because okay. whoever was working on that piece of it clearly just didn't understand what they were doing, um, or because of, uh, I mean, what? I don't want to sit here and lay blame at specific individuals not doing nope. their job. No, I don't, uh, and, and I, I don't think that it's it's even that simple. I think it's more structural. I think there's there is solid, there is one thing that I will very much. I don't know who it is that I want to blame, but there is very clearly one moment where someone made a choice, and that choice is deeply problematic, and that's the gender politics. Um, and there's actual evidence like we have in some ways the receipts that this was a choice that was made very late in the game's development and can, can you uh, elaborate on this um, yeah so because for, for context when i played fallout 4 i had i never tried to play as a male protagonist i simply played as the female protagonist same so uh and i never looked into if there were differences yeah there sure are Okay, so uh, if you play as a male protagonist in Fallout 4, 
uh, you are playing as the character who voices the War Never Changes intro. They didn't get Ron Perlman for this one, so they decided to take some some creative liberties with it. So the War Never Changes monologue is a speech being delivered by that man to uh, basically a, a like a VA benefit dinner. Okay, so it's not it's in universe actually that that character character creation is the couple um standing in front of a mirror and and it fades in with him saying war never changes right and she says something like that's amazing i love it or something like he's writing his speech or like rehearsing his speech in front of the mirror that night gotcha it's been so long since i did the character creation that i didn't remember that detail and that don't get me wrong. I love that seamless entry into the world for character creation and avatar building. I think that that is an amazing creative choice that they made, and I love it. And I love the War Never Changes monologue no longer just being some detached narrator, even though Ron Perlman is amazing, and is now actually the voice of someone who has seen war firsthand. I like that choice. Okay, yeah. Because, like, the whole point of the Fallout franchise is war is hell and life sucks. Um, and uh, so, so I'm, if you're playing the, the female protagonist, you're playing that soldier's wife. Which, yeah. okay, I get it. It's Fallout. We want to make a pun with nuclear family. I'm fine with that, actually. <laughs> um, I'm actually okay with that. Uh, but the the sort of first moment where it gets pointed out to you that this is what's going on is when... So I had just finished playing Mass Effect, okay? And yep. uh, uh, the same actress responsible for Femshep is responsible for the female protagonist or female sole survivor in Fallout 4. Yeah, uh, Jennifer Hale. Jennifer Hale. And, um, uh, and so I was really excited to, like, get... Femshep on, so I saw that there were fatigues in the closet. And, like, don't get me wrong, the gingham dress that she starts in is perfectly fine, but, like, there's fatigues there. I want to get my Femshep on. So I go over, I mouse over it, I click, and she, you get her inner voice saying, I'm so proud of him. And you have this moment of, oh, we're going to go there, are we? Okay. I, I generally like to give an author an opportunity to, to do something good with that. Right? Like, I will let you okay. finish your joke. Like, tell me, tell me what this is, and then I'll decide if you actually executed anything reasonable or not. And so you go through uh, the intro, and then you find your robot butler again, and you mm-hmm. get the last, you know, the recording from your now-dead husband. I'd say spoiler alert, but it's literally the opening 30 seconds of the game. Um, and yeah, which I played three years ago or whatever. Now, right. But. Yeah. So like, uh, so yeah, spouse dies. And so then you find a robot Butler who has survived this whole time. Um, and, uh, and you get a recording and it's a recording of your spouse being proud of you. Essentially. I don't know what the male protagonists, uh, recording says, but the yeah. female protagonist recording, he is complimenting her and congratulating her on getting her law degree. And so it's clear here that the storyboarding team knew that they were taking something away when they made this choice. And so they needed to, to offer up something in trade. And so they compensate you, not with 
a homemaker, but with you're a lawyer. Okay. And I had feelings about that. I think that that's a little tone deaf for the moment that it came out. But at the same time, like I, I understand that you want to lean into this 1950s mm-hmm. uh, uh, sort of motif here. So I'm going to go along with it and we'll see how this, how this executes. And if they had executed that well, we probably wouldn't be talking right now. <laughs> um, because I wouldn't be anywhere near as pissed off at this game as, as I am. But that is the last time that her law degree is mentioned or is game relevant. And there are many, many opportunities for this to have come up. And instead, if you play as a male character, you are constantly referring back to your time as a soldier, and not just because you are automatically proficient with every weapon you happen to come across. Apparently, lawyers get that kind of weapons and power armor training, too. Um, Well, I mean... Someone has to keep the streets clean. I guess. Um, <laughs> but so, uh, but, but so, in addition to that, you are talking about your military service. You are talking about some of the harrowing events and how they changed you. At one point, you actually refer to the oath of enlistment. The lawyer doesn't talk about any of this. And there are plenty of legal and ethical issues all over the place. Not to mention... Yeah. Um, there are uh, deeply problematic choices in governance that are made that a lawyer should be like, WT actual F here. Um, So the soldier gets to talk about being a soldier, but the lawyer doesn't get to talk about being a lawyer. And that makes the entire background that they offer you as compensation for, and I say this with full intention of what I mean here, ripping away the soldier's story from a female protagonist. And I say ripping away because Jennifer Hale recorded every single line that the male protagonist recorded. They, oh. Those files shipped with the game, but they're unused because that content was removed. And it was removed after she had recorded, which means it was removed fairly late in the process. Well... I guess to play it devil's advocate, there can still be a lot of reasons why something could have been removed late in the process. Um, that the fact that the files ended up on disc is concerning. Because yeah. uh, if nothing else, that's that's rather poor uh, cleanliness, really. There's a mod that unlocks um, them. Unsurprising. Does anything break? I don't know. I haven't tried it yet. Um. I think, like, just sort of, as you were talking listening, and thinking about it, like, the only time I think there would be a problem for them to have had, like, you know, the same background and then just the other spouse was the lawyer and therefore irrelevant um, would be in character creation if you have to, like, keep switching voices. But even that is something that, like, should be fixable. Very fixable. Um, and like you can even you can even fix it by waiting to give us the war never changes prologue until after character creation. Then we know which voice we have. Yeah, like there's a lot of ways to do it. Um so yeah, I don't I would be very curious to know why that choice was made. Yeah. So right, the what I suspect, and certainly what I have 
had thrown at me by uh, some very apologistic people um, okay. is that they said, we are leaning into this nuclear family 1950s sort of motif. And but it's then just... she wouldn't have been a lawyer. Well, no, because like law, even <laughs> even into the like 60s, like it's it was rare. Like it makes her an exceptional uh, a woman of her time. But it's fair. Um, but it's it's not like it's not dishonorable or like immoral for her to have done this. I mean, Ruth Gator, Ruth Gator, Bader Ginsburg exists. Um, this is true. So, I mean, it, it, it was done. Confirmed canon protagonist to fall out for. Right. But so here's the problem is uh, if you're going to make a sexist world and you're going to tell stories in a sexist world you need to at least lampshade the sexism. You need to make it obvious that the author is aware of what they are doing and that the conduct of these characters is not actually okay. That is the only way that you can, that you can get away with uh, handling problematic content in fiction without being problematic yourself. And instead, uh, they can't do that because their own world doesn't support this. So Fallout 3 has an expansion um, where you have to... The Brotherhood of Steel asks you to go into a simulation of the Chinese invasion of Alaska. Uh, because, right, yeah. Because getting through it will unlock something, I guess. I'm not sure what's going on. In that whole play. DLC, you've got U.S. infantry soldiers of every stripe and every rank and, and everywhere... Uh, men and women both, women in power armor in that simulation. So at the time that the war was happening, that, that this guy is talking about, there were women serving on the front line. In ca canonically. Canonically. Um, okay. On yeah, top that of that, is... Fallout 4 itself has a recording with a you know female presenting voice talking about being afraid of the draft. So not only do we have in-universe evidence that women were serving in the military, we they have were, in they were being drafted. They were being conscripted. But we're going to make her a lawyer. And then not do anything with it. And then not do anything with it. Which, like, oh my god, this, the things that they could have done, like, Piper follows you around asking if you need anything proofread and then at one point in the game you get handed a copy of a speech that's supposed to go out to every single person in the entire commonwealth and you get to look at it and then make choices on the fly about how you change it you hand it to piper she says nothing uh, i'm like come on you literally have been begging me to show you copy I show you yeah, copy yeah. and there's no hook here. <laughs> that's that's a shame. That I'm, is a shame. Yeah. And an easy fix, apparently, uh, if you could just use the lines that they had recorded. Right. And if you just, you know, you can you can use the same character creation because the they can talk, right? They can both offer lines for a speech that's in development without us yet knowing who's going to deliver it. People collaborate on all sorts of things. Then when you That's know who, who we're playing, then you can go to the cutscene. And Jennifer Hale could have delivered probably because she did Shepard better than than what's his face. Like she probably could have delivered a better War Never Changes, or at least a comparable one. Yeah, I mean, Jennifer I, I don't want to dismiss the work of the other voice actor. No, here. no, not at all. But I, Jen, Jennifer Hale is 
yeah, Femme Shep is best Shep. <laughs> um, yeah, so like that, or just like, just hook off the law degree anywhere where he's talking about having served as a soldier. She can be talking mm-hmm. about, I mean, because he's doing it in in areas where it's it's about his moral philosophy. You better believe ah. law is founded on exactly that. Yeah, that that could have been done. It would require a lot more work. Yes. Um, it would definitely be easier for them to just both be delivering the same soldier lines. Yep. Um, yep. Hmm. But uh, yeah, that 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 seems like it's an easy fix. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. My fear is that mm-hmm. someone fairly high placed in Bethesda just didn't like the idea of a female character running around in fatigues. I hope I'm wrong. I really want to be wrong, but I it, I can't say that isn't the case. But I have no proof in front of me to say that it is. Yeah, uh, and and what I have is is circumstantial evidence, and that doesn't prove anything. But it it does not look good. And no. Bethesda should know better. Yeah. Yeah, fair. That isn't even like the I thought I thought the thing that was gonna piss me off was that Nick Valentine is not romanceable. I mean come on. The one time that they actually there is one hook for for a female protagonist in that game, and that is when you rescue Nick Valentine, he observes that the noir detective trope of the damsel in distress has been gender flipped in that moment. And I love that they did that. Yep, yep, that was brilliant. That. And that was the moment that I was like, come on, why is this guy not romanceable right now? Um, but it yeah. is what it is. I have a lot of thoughts on how companions work in the fallout games. Um, I, one of my problems is that they, they give you a bunch of characters, too many characters, really, um, for starters, that all have, like, their specific quest line that happens. A bunch of other, like, incidental stuff. Yep. And some material benefits. You know, they carry your stuff. They, they, they give you a perk. But, A, since you can only ever have one with you, it is difficult, if not impossible, to attempt to get to know all of them. Yep. Uh, like I never figured out what Strong's deal was, because he kept insulting me, and so I just parked him at a place and and forgot about him. Um, or like, shoot, there was someone else, Piper. I didn't even spend as much time with as I intended to, because I just ended up running around with like Kate because I accidentally started romancing her. Whichever I I mix up the one from this game and the one from New Vegas. <laughs> in terms of drunk, punchy people. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, I ran around Valentine for a while. Um, but probably, like, the, the companions I spent the most time with were probably the ones that were, like, required for the specific DLCs. Yep. None of whom were that interesting. Like, the actual quality of the DLCs aside, which isn't really a here nor there. Though at least Far Harbor gives you some interesting moral choices. Unlike Nuka World, which is just, you want to be evil? Have fun. And then if you try to be good, you end up killing everyone, and it's not very good. Yeah, there are definitely some moments, and this is true even all the way back to like Fallout 3, where the, the yeah. morality system of Fallout gets a little screwed in the head. Yeah, um, like it's, I think a general criticism of the series, and 
of a lot of video games of the type, of course, is like a good action can be to slaughter a lot of people. And yeah. that's not really good. Well, like I, it just I think a lot about violence and storytelling. Um uh, I I have deep moral reservations about how inured to violence uh, we are culturally. Um, and I think a lot of that is in how it's, it, it, it's bi-directional, but it's like, it's reflected in how we play games. And it's also reflected in the games that get sold to us. Um, and so uh, I, I pay attention to games that have, you know, like, like Deus Ex, which has pacifist options. Um, and I will almost always give those a playthrough. Um, and I, I, I mean, but even in the pacifist options in something like Deus Ex, and I just finished like Mankind Divided like uh, last month. What you're doing is not is still violent, and still could put people in the hospital and cripple them for life. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, it's there's <laughs> there's a lack of understanding of of basic human anatomy. Um, yes. But I do appreciate that there is a concerted effort to make non-lethal options and in fact outright avoidance as a legitimate strategy to approach right. obstacles i do I have, I have a ton of respect for idos for that um and even when when deus ex first dropped and the boss fights required killing the bosses idos to recognized be clear, that was deus ex human revolution yeah de, yeah that was that was de, yeah that was yeah, there were there were two games before that one came out. So. Yes, that's true. Uh, so sorry, and I actually played both of them, and that's what hooked me on Deus Ex. Um, oh, but cool. but they like Idos recognized. Yeah, uh, that studio made a mistake. We we subcontracted the boss fights, and we regret doing that. So so the, even then, like the game publisher said, okay, yes, that was a misstep. We recognize that yeah. we didn't hit what we wanted. I have yet to hear anything out of Bethesda along those lines. But uh, the thing about some of the moral choices in Fallout are messed up because whoever was writing it just clearly doesn't, didn't take time to think about it. And some of it is just, it's, it's gotta be an oversight. Like, and this is sort of like one of the other moments that I found deeply disturbing about how the storyboarding went. So my mm -hmm. first playthrough, I did a railroad uh, playthrough. Yeah. And the, the whole point of the railroad playthrough is synths are people. And I was playing an attorney. So I figured that an attorney should be able to come to that conclusion. Um, yep. so, uh, so synths are people and because they're people, it's not okay for the Institute to essentially use them as slave labor. And so the railroad right. is, uh, attempting to free synths, uh, and, you know, for a number of reasons, it, it becomes justified that this requires military action against the Institute, um, which they do a good job actually at laying sort of the, the causus belly here. Um, which is Latin, it means... The what, sorry? Yeah, it, it's Latin, it means the reason for going to war. Um, okay. And it's the moral justification here. And in this case, the Institute has been engaging in some, like, hellaciously evil mustache-twirling level villainy. Um, and yeah. And so they, <laughs> they gotta go, and they've made it clear that they have no intention of going. And so uh, you have an opportunity to essentially pull an inside job and then let a strike force in. Um, and you've had the opportunity to arm uh, the underground resistance uh, group of synths that are ready to rise up. So you've mm -hmm. armed people on the inside. You've got a strike force ready to come in. But the entrance to the base needs to be pacified. And you're the only person that can do that. 
So you go yeah. in there and they don't suspect anything at first. And there's like six guards and then a few control technicians that sort of operate the way that you get in. And, uh, and so, you know, you walk up and you're like, yep, nothing's wrong here. And then you have the like matrix, like, can you please come over here and declare any metal objects? Oh shit. Um, and, and then you like gun everybody down. And so I, I kill all the guards and I think there's even a round of reinforcements or whatnot. And mm-hmm. so then I'm sitting there and the, the quest marker says, seize control of the control room or, or something like that, like secure yep. the control room. So I'm looking around, I'm standing there, nobody's shooting, there's no hostiles around. I go, maybe I need to go over to the control terminal. Go over to the control terminal, there's no buttons, there's no tooltips popping up as I move my cursor all over it. And it takes me a good seven and a half minutes to realize what it's going to take to get the quest to advance. Which is to kill the non-violent NPCs. The four controllers who, when the shooting started, ran into opposite corners of the room and began cowering in the corner with their hands over their heads, begging for their lives, because that's the script for a non-combat NPC in a shootout. And that's a perfectly reasonable thing. But because they are flagged institute faction, you have to commit four separate atrocities to advance... The quest. You've secured the control room once they're cowering in the corner. They are not going to give you any trouble at this point. Push the button. Yeah. Your friends can come in, zip tie them, and you can deal with them later. Then, yeah. later on in the in that, that sequence, uh, the same thing happens in one of the labs. Uh, and so, like, there's hostiles. You start shooting. The scientists and the, like, technicians and the civilians, like, put their hands over their heads and, like, you know, go run into the corner and hide. And I don't there's no quest marker here. I don't go around and, and hunt them down. But the synths sure do. Yeah. And that is not a good look. And so... No. And it's like... And it's 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 not an unprecedented reaction. I mean, um, I th- with the trappings that they have with the railroad and such, like, the synths killing these cowering people is sort of akin to, like, a slave revolt revolt killing innocent like not innocent but you know non-hostile uh people yeah um but it is still a bad look for heavily armed people to kill unarmed individuals and like if you're going to say like war never changes and you want this to be just like a super grim dark vision of you know what violence always leads to fine i'm okay with you making that narrative choice but there's no discussion there's no lampshading there's no highlighting of it it looks like nothing more than someone just didn't bother to create a separate flag for non-combat npcs and so this is just there's a, a, a an opposing faction uh, entity in the room, so this entity is going to hunt it down and shoot at it until it stops yep, existing. Just shoot the pixels with the pixels and, and move like, on to the, at next, least, the next number. And like at least when Call of Duty pulled this crap, like no Russian was done on purpose. Okay, for those who... I have not played enough Call of Duty so to know what you're referring Call to. Call of Duty Modern Warfare. There's a there's a somewhat infamous level called No Russian, where you are playing as an infiltrator into a. Um, uh, Russian terrorist cell of some flavor. I don't actually know the backstory on this. Um, and this terrorist group that, that you're embedded in is going mm-hmm. to go and engage in a mass casualty shooting incident at an 
crowded airport. Okay. And this is 2008. Um, yeah. So 9-11 was still pretty fresh, and like all of the airport shenanigans, this is what they were trying to do. They were trying to tug on that string for this. And so mm-hmm. you go through, and you, you do have a choice. Right? You don't actually have to pull the trigger and shoot anybody, and no one will, will say anything differently if you don't. But it's very obvious that you are supposed to gun down innocent people in order to maintain your cover, which, surprise, is blown by the end of the mission anyway. And the whole thing is just this weird rug-out-from-under-you move. And it's so badly done. But at least they did it on purpose. At least there was a narrative intent there. And all you have to do for yeah, this gotcha. fix is just create a non-combat flag, you know. And if you, if you want to go for the extra points, go ahead and script some some you know quick hook scenes where people get you know zip tied or whatnot and like made to sit in a corner under guard. Bam, done. Or at least have a discussion, right? So so that the player knows that this is what you, this faction is going to do and this is why. Or even let me at least express moral outrage after the fact. Like as a yeah, as a soldier, I sh- especially a soldier from hundreds of years ago, from before this new period of just yeah. depraved violence, I should be able to say that's a goddamn war crime. Yeah. Or as an attorney, I should be able to say, okay, that's self defense. <laughs> that's a goddamn that's, war crime. That's murder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and no, it's and it's obvious that they they either didn't place test that part or just didn't care. Yeah, I mean, again, I can't necessarily defend the. Uh, yeah, I I can't speak to what the what the company was doing. I can certainly see a multitude of situ- situations that could lead to this. Yep, but that doesn't make the end result right. Yeah, and like, um, it's not like they didn't release patches. It's not like they didn't release DLC. All of these could have been corrected. I don't know that they have. I don't know that they haven't. I haven't played it in years. But That's I'm fair. planning to play it again, uh, and I'll be pretty mad. I'll be mad again for the fact that they could have <laughs> fixed it by now if it's still there. I I have played it recently. Um, I set it down to not pick up again. Uh, maybe a month ago, I believe it is. You know, I said month ago for for Deus Ex, I'd finished Fallout Four before then, um, and I had actually been trying to do. The railroad route um, before, and I don't want to dwell on glitches because that's not really the purpose of this show. Um, I was unable to complete a single ending in Fallout 4 because of glitches. Yeah, Um, unfortunately that's a Bethesda hallmark. What happened was... uh, (laughs) I got blocked out of the railroad, the Minutemen endings by Preston Garvey being non-functional Rough. no matter what I did and both those routes you have to talk to him at one point yep at some point and I just couldn't he was non-interactable and I wasn't playing on PC so I couldn't like brute force my way through some things so you can't even console your way yeah I can't console my way through uh institute I'd shut out at this point because I just decided I was trying to go for a different ending and I made a save and then that left Brotherhood. And then in the Brotherhood mission where you just murder the entire railroad, because that's a thing. Yeah. Um, I was doing the first leg of that as just a, 
I've been playing this game for so long, I'm going to try to finish it in some way. And that mission glitched out, and the person I was supposed to kill wasn't there. Wow. So I just put the game down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's why I might not have all the ending details. Um, but let's talk about something less morally fraught for a bit. Yeah. Um, you want to talk mechanics? Let's talk some mechanics. All right, uh, let's so do that. So I think we both we both have a lot of thoughts about how the settlements work in this game. Yes. I would like to propose my my fix, which I will tentatively cover, uh, call Companions for Mayor. The problem with settlements are, one, there's a lot of them. There sure um, are. There, there's too many. They, they, they lose purpose. There's so many. And you can't really do anything with them. They sort of just become a thing that you should babysit, but nothing really happens if you don't babysit them. So they're just sort of there. And they're good for crafting, except because of how the workshops work and what gets connected where, the best way to do it is just throw all of your all of the junk in the same place anyway. And then you run out of things to craft anyway, but that's its own problem. Um, so what I would suggest, um, and I don't have every detail of this because it would obviously require some major changes, I would reduce the number of settlements to roughly the number of companions in the game minus one. And I might actually, in doing this, tweak a few compa- a few more people to be companion level NPCs, where instead of companions doing nothing or being the one person with you, since you're generally taking over settlements as part of like the Minutemen or then whatever faction you end up joining, you install these named NPCs with personalities and plots and such as leading a settlement. And then the settlements can be shaped based on these people. There was a quest chain like this in New Vegas. Which quest chain? Uh, Pim. Uh, you find a, a new sheriff to take over, uh, and you've got a oh, choice yeah, yeah. of candidates. Yeah, um, I, put the, I put the robot in charge. Oh, wow. <laughs> I got the guy out of the, uh, out of the Powder Gang uh, prison. I had accidentally killed him. Oops. I'm pretty sure, at least. I fired a lot of shots into that powder gang prison from far away because they kept shooting at me when I walked past. Yeah, they do that. Um, They're not good neighbors. They're not good neighbors. Unlike the people in Good Neighbor. (laughs) But anyway. um, And so instead of the settlements being sort of like a uh, take them or leave them sort of situation, make each settlement more of a quest line that is shaped by whoever ends up in charge of it. Um, or even just colored by whoever ends up in charge. So, like, you have your initial settlement um, uh, of Sanctuary, and maybe that's where Preston Garvey is, is situated, or maybe you put, you know, what's, what's your butler's name, Codsworth, or whatever, in charge of this settlement. Um, this, this theoretically would let you do a couple things. Somewhat automate buildings being built and such and like trash being cleaned up because the controls especially in console for that aren't great and i'm not saying you wouldn't be able to do building because i think it is a nifty feature but like i i should be able to say okay just just give me a hut with some beds in it please 
you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, like, you can come and breathe more life into the place. Um, and also, if you have settlements that are, like, using resources on things like upkeep or whatever like this, it gives you a little more point to keep gathering things whenever you're running around places. Like, by the end of the game, I had something like 10,000 wood sitting in my junk pile. I have some feelings about how they run their item and, uh, and like, other economy. And we will get to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, having more sort of passive uses for some of that would make it less obnoxious to walk into a room and it's just stuff you don't need for ever one weapon mod you still want to make, you know? Yep. Uh, give, give things more use. Um, and even... Even some of the other stuff with, with settlements that were, like, a little wonky. Um, how crops work always seems, like, a little bit weird. Yeah. Because it's, like, not really clear, like, what crops a person is going to harvest or whether or not they're even going to, like, pick the stuff and put it in, in storage or not. Like, a lot of, like, cleanup where if you, like, just look at each settlement as a little more fleshed out city building and just reduce the number of settlements by a lot i think you could have had it it could have felt more like i think what they wanted it to be as like the this is what makes this fallout game different feature yeah i um i've thought a lot about town building town building was so like thematically part of fallout and especially part of fallout 4 is more than just sort of like clawing your way back to survival from the brink of a nuclear a nuclear holocaust, but it's like actually reclaiming and rebuilding civilization, right? And th right. Th those themes have been there in the Fallout games, but this is the first time that you get to do it, and so you literally can like clear ruined buildings and build a new one in their place, and then set up a beacon and call people to you to say, "Hey, I've got this thing. If you want safety, come be here." And I think that that yeah. is such an important part of what Fallout 4 wanted to be. Um, but town building, I have a theory, because I always have a theory, and my theory about town okay. building is that town building wasn't actually intended to be a Fallout 4 thing. They were using Fallout 4 as a testing platform for the technology so that they could put it into Fallout 76. And I say this as an EVE Online player, mm where we got something <laughs> called walking in stations, which was, you know, it was just an aesthetic. You could just not be in a ship. You could be a person model walking around okay. inside of quarters. And it did nothing else. And it, it never went anywhere because it was just a tech test. Uh, uh, CCP had just bought the World of Darkness IP from White Wolf and yep. uh, set up to, to create a Vampire the Masquerade MMO that ultimately be, never launched. Um, and once they realized that it wasn't going to launch, walking in stations got taken out of you. It was so nakedly just a, we have a game, let's spend development time on this next project, and then force feed it into a current project in order to sell it as a feature so that we can justify that use of the time to that yep. player base. Yep. And I think that it shows in how unfinished town building feels. Because I agree with you, right? Like, it's just... You set it up, and if you do it right, you never hear from them again. And if you do it wrong, every once in a while, they'll scream for help, and you'll show up, shoot two people, and that'll be it. Or you don't even show up. Oh, yeah, you just let it and, go. And you just let it go. And it's not like you get, like, a 
you didn't defend us. We're going to turn raider or something. They just are unhappy. And I think that like Bethesda, and it's, it's a lot clearer now than it was then that Bethesda was looking at rust, right. And was looking at arc and was saying, these games are popular. We want to make a fallout game like that. So we got to get that tech together. And so they did it here. But like, I agree with you. Like there's so much opportunity here, like installing governors. Hell, I would even say like, if we want a fallout game, like, Fallout Shelter, the, like, phone and other thing. Right, but where you build a vault uh, of sorts and, like, send people out and it's more like a a little management sim that's, like, kind of sim-towery. Yep. Um, I I was having fun with that one um, at some point, and then I just, you know, stopped. But, uh, so it's not like they are unwilling to make a Fallout game that is not first person shooter or at least not unwilling to slap their their name on it right if they had made fallout 4 not an fps and more of just like a civ game yeah you know they could have really committed to it but and i'm not even saying that's what they should have done i'm just saying like i would like someone to do it now that you've talked about it though because because that is that would be a very interesting game and I think that it actually it's a little bit closer to the to the roots of the Fallout franchise than you know what is jokingly referred to as Skyrim with guns. That's fair. Um, I think a lot of series could benefit from a shift in genre from time to time. Yeah, I mean um, Fallout did. Fallout Three was very good, Fallout but it 3 was, was f- extremely different than than one, two, or tactics, or, tactics. or um or even that Xbox shooter. What was it called? Brotherhood of Steel? Yeah, I didn't play that one. Yeah, there there is another one that's like just a... I don't even know if they've ever re-released it, but it exists. Yeah. And yeah, no, it was huge, because like, you know, one and two especially were like top, you know, top-down CRPGs, like, you know, Baldur's Gate. Fallout 3 was a drastic shift in in genre, and there was a lot of fans of, of the original games who were very against it. But it because it was an approachable genre for a lot of, of other people, specifically for console gamers, since it was a first-person shooter, which at the time were, were most prominent on console, um, it got a lot of new fans. Yeah. Um, well, and also, I think one of the things that Bethesda did so well with Fallout 3 was they said, okay, we want to, sh- we want to make our first step into the Fallout IP a good one. And that means it, it doesn't need to be boom wow it just needs to solidly deliver the fallout experience but it needs to do it in a way that we're used to telling stories oblivion was a smashing success and i think that saying okay we're going to take oblivion's technology and we're going to recreate the fallout universe in it but we're going to otherwise stick to our storytelling strengths which is this massively open world and a high stakes main quest that is at its core optional uh, yeah. And that formula has worked very well for them. And I'm okay with them following that formula. I'm even okay with them continuing to follow that formula. I don't know that I would want Bethesda to do a Civilization or, or SimCity-style uh, Fallout game, but I do think someone should. <laughs> I'm going to have to look up if there is such such a thing. Beside, like, but, like, I, I think that you can add... You could have done... You could have put elements of this in yes, Fallout 4. Sure. And, like, I like what you're talking about... about um, like mayorships. I think it would be cool. Because also, especially if the game was significantly shorter, which I think is a great thing most games should be. Especially um, open world games. 
yeah, just be just be shorter, please. Um, God, but having like that be a choice, like if if you have like a pool of companions, um, and if you assign someone as a mayor, they are in charge of that settlement until either you stop playing the game or something. You know, maybe you can like go. This settlement is being trashed, and and get them back, but that settlement's gone. Like have it be something with like real weight to it. Yeah. Then it becomes like a, I have done this adventure with this person. I trust them. Here is this responsibility. And so like going to the settlement, you get to go and like check up on them and see how things are doing and interact with them. And they might all have their own like sort of, they would all have their own like character in interacting with the settlement instead of like showing up, pulling up, you know, the build menu. And, 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 like, you know, fixing a couple of turrets that broke, you know? Yeah, I think that, like, each NPC that you assign could have their own build palette. So that, like, yeah. when you wherever you put uh, your, your robot butler, like, he would try to make everything look like 2077 again. Um, yeah. And, like, wherever you put Piper, right, you'd see a lot of... There's gonna be a printing press. There, you'd see a lot of, like, media sensibilities to it. And, you yeah. know, wherever you put... Um, the the medical robot from vault whatever it is i'm blanking on names now because that's how my brain works but um medical robot from vault it's like vault 93 i think uh anyway you can get her a new body um and uh uh she's actually a very interesting storyline um and i i she was the companion oh that one yes yeah, yes, yeah, yes that i actually started to follow around um but uh if you like put her in charge of a place then it, it basically becomes the new medical hub of the Commonwealth. Um, like, I would love to see villages become specialized. Like, you mentioned the problem where, like, just pooling all of your resources into one set of crafting stations is the way to go. And I would yeah. love to see that there are, like, unique crafting capabilities in each settlement. There's a reason to go there. Um, yeah, and I think they started to do something sort of like this with Volt 88, I think is the number. Where, like, you get there and you, like, clean some stuff up and it becomes a settlement, but there's this ghoul there that is, like, wants to be the overseer and run these experiments. Wow. Um, and there's, like, quests you can do to, to help or to hinder these experiments. Yeah. And it is a big settlement. Like, I think it's the biggest one. Potentially barred sanctuary, potentially not. I would have to double check. Um, but, like... That I that you know in this case it would be okay. This is their vault. They're going to build it like a vault if you leave them in charge. Yeah. And so like um, it's obvious that like I mean so the other thing that Bethesda did the other technology they put in here is the procedurally generated quests so that after you finish the main quest line the game doesn't stop unlike Fallout Three where you get your ending credits and Fallout New Vegas where you get your ending credits. You kind of get uh, an epilogue sequence here with your character doing a voiceover, and at least if you're playing a okay. female protagonist, you get a female voiced voiceover here. Um, okay. But uh, but then the game keeps going, and all that you have left at that point is the side quest content and mm -hmm. all the procedurally generated content, which is the repopulation of dungeons, and then just like Preston Garvey endlessly hounding you, letting you know that there's another settlement in danger. Um, and so, okay. uh, busy work, it's busy work, but like, it's, it's, you built this world. So now you get to live in it and I'm okay with that. 
And it's why I'm like, I'm okay with a shorter main quest line. You've built an open world that's designed to persist long past the main quest yeah. line. So take some resources away from the rest, from that quest line and pay attention to that world. And I think that um, as you were talking about uh, uh, how the, the food props worked, I think the entire settlement model of like trying to build sustainably matched resources to population and whatnot is actually the wrong way to have gone. I think that okay. you shouldn't care about how much food a given settlement produces, for example, uh, based on its population. What you should do instead is every, you know, game day, the population consumes resources out of that pool. And as you know, you could take the strategy of here's enough farming fields that are staffed that you guys can grow your own food and I don't have to worry about it again. But if there's a place where you don't want to do that or you don't have the resources to do that or you want that population to be focused on other things, now you need to do things like set up caravans or move the resources yourself and keep these places stocked. I think that if... Yeah, and like... It, instead of it being a resource that ticks down because none of your resources really tick down, you do have that set up in, in the game as it exists of a, a place doesn't have to produce its own food. You can do it with a caravan. Oh, you can? You can. I don't know if it tells you you can. It doesn't. But you can. <laughs> I um, did not know this and I built five damn cities. <laughs> Um, and so, like, you can say, like, okay, this place has a ton of farmland, I'll link it to this other place now that other place doesn't complain about food, but now, like, it's like an instant doesn't complain, for one, yeah. and for two, as you said, like, you called them food props as opposed to crops, and I think that's apt, because... They're game entities. And they just, like, produce a new fruit every day. And somehow that fruit is both pickable by you and is feeding your town. You can literally have your cake and eat it too. Um, and I feel like there's definitely ways that they could have... One, if you have someone assigned to harvest things, it just gets harvested and put in the bin. Like, they don't even have to spawn the object on the tree. Just, like, go, oh, okay, yeah, someone's assigned to this. Yeah. While you're not there, they pick it, whatever. Yeah, don't um, make me pick something that someone else is supposed to be responsible for. <laughs> yeah, I think that's part of... That was one of my frustrations with, with with crops as well. Was like, was like I assigned someone to this so that when I came back home, I could just cook using it. I wouldn't have to go and harvest it and put it in the thing myself. That's the whole point of having people living at the settlement. Right. It's a whole thing. I also um, I know that attacks spawn uh, for these settlements, but they're yeah. very anemic. Like one machine gun turret deals with it, kind of thing. And, yeah. and they never get any smarter, and the, the, the routes never change. I remember I had a laser turret set up on the Red Rocket Station, which became my personal base, because, obviously. Um, and uh, and I was in the middle of a conversation with, with, I think it was Nick. I think I was running Nick's plotline at the time. And my laser mm -hmm. turret just starts going absolute ham on something, and I'm like, what's going on? And I go around the corner, and there's four dead raiders for me to loot. And the laser turret didn't even take any damage. And I'm just like, this is just sad. I mean, yeah, that's going to happen from time to time. But, like, raiders form camps. Those camps are going to get wise yeah. that there's resources here. And they're going to come with a plan. And yeah. and I think, like, there was a, a quest line 
in um, i will say there's only so much they could have been automating with ai to be running in the background when you're not even there well you don't have to you, there's diminishing returns there is there is but like you could there's a quest line in fallout 3 big trouble in big town where yeah. uh it's it's the logan's run plot line basically and yep. like all of the people that have been kicked out of little town uh are gonna come under attack and you like there's like five different quests that you do to fortify that town or don't and then it gets yeah. attacked and what you did matters in how that that fight goes and they could yeah. have they clearly have the sensibilities for it they could have put elements of that and like you don't have to do full ai like okay here's the plan but like as re- settlements get larger the attacks against them should get larger you know uh the defenses that you set up should matter like you should be making strategic decisions about how you defend what settlements um based on like the regional threat that they have to face based on the terrain that they have um i mean if you're gonna make a city building game in a in a first person shooter like the first person shooting should interact with the city building um and so i'd love to see your vision of here's a mayor i install and then they go do their thing but they still need resources, so I still have to provide for them. They'll do it themselves eventually, but it just goes better if I do it. Yeah. And uh, those uh, villages under attack quests need to be a lot fewer and way more serious. Like, they don't call the Minutemen unless it's a big freaking deal. Um, yeah. And then... And having less settlements in general would help with both of these things. Arms, ammunition, you know, supplies for repairs, food, stim packs, in order to keep these settlements alive. And, you know, settlements will, like I said, they'll do some of this for themselves, but it's never going to be enough without outside help. The whole point mm-hmm. of civilization is that we work together and help each other. So creating a network of settlements that cross support each other, that's your end game. And the, the great, yeah. wonderful part of it is the, the sort of like main, the other main problem, the last main problem that I have with this, and I had the same problem, I have this problem with every Bethesda game, is their, okay. their gloriously unbalanced economy. Like midway, midway through Fallout 4, I had north of 300 stim packs and I could not spend caps fast enough. Um, See, I didn't quite have that problem. I definitely had that number of stim packs um, because of I would, you know, go into a room and loot everything, and that's its own, that's its own problem. Uh, I mean, same, but it's a scavenging game. I'm gonna scavenge. Yeah, but the scavenging isn't fun. It isn't. I would love if one of the things that a companion could do is I could say, "Here's a bunch of stuff. Haul this back to that town for me," and they bug off for a while, and I go do my thing, and then they show back. Well, up. I, I just remembered the other thing I would, I would have as like sort of the mayor, one of the mayor duties. Uh, you could do which is let's say that there's a place near let's say there's a cave system near sanctuary that you go and you clear out the gosh what are the shell things called myrlurks myrlurks i want to call them like morlocks and it's just not the right (laughs) Um, also don't go into a cave system and kill all the morlocks that is not okay um yeah but like let's say you go and you kill the myrlurks and then you go back to town it's like hey i cleared this out you guys can go forage and take all the stuff yeah yeah that'd be pretty good and now you're still getting the benefit from it you're interacting with your with your npcs and i'm not having to loot every crate for an extra three pencils and a clipboard yeah 
Yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, they do have those packs of like, here's a thousand cement that you can buy from merchants from time to time. And, oh yeah, and they cost and I a, bought. They cost a fair number of caps, but like I said, I, I couldn't spend caps fast enough, so I was, I was just buying those things oh, left every, and right. Every time I ran to a merchant, I was buying all their junk, basically. Yeah. Um, because that, it felt like it was necessary, and then it wasn't necessary, and I just kept doing it. Yeah. I mean, I love. I also had eight, maybe nine sets of full power armor. By the time I stopped playing, yeah, power armor. I had I had a house in Sanctuary just full of power armor. Yeah, which actually I wouldn't necessarily say is a problem. Sort of um, by leaving it in a place that the NPCs could find it, I did actually see random settlers hop into my power armor to defend the settlement. Yes, I've which seen is it. cool. I love that. Except they didn't put it back when they were done. Yeah, that's... So, like, I would love to be able they to... They would just sort of then stand around in power armor. So, like, and power armor, it's established in all of the other games that power armor takes special training to use. Like, it's a big deal in Fallout 3 when you get the I can use power yeah. armor perk. Um, and so I think that, like, it makes a certain amount of sense for NPCs to get to use your spare suits of power armor. I think power armor in general was one of the best handlings of power armor in, in the fallout franchise in that it, it wasn't an inventory item you couldn't just carry it around and then put it on whenever you wanted to um it was a, a, a an ordeal to get into an ordeal to get out of and it, it was a resource hog but goddamn it was. was it powerful Especially at the beginning of the game yeah and it's um, i love that it's it's the sweet ride up on cinder blocks that you tinker with on saturdays and then every once in a while you take it out for a drive yeah um i do think if you could sort of assign them out to people for defense. I was just going to say that. Once they got training. Yeah. Like, that would be really cool. And I think, like, at that point, then, you have a huge benefit for siding with the Brotherhood, which is way easier access to training your vil your settlers in using power armor. Yeah. And better power like armor. You could, you could start, you could make siding with a faction be giving you advantages with some of these things. And, like... like the Brotherhood of Steel in Fallout 4 went back to, and I think this is a good thing, um, they went back to the uh, ultra-elitist, vaguely race-supremacist, like... They were a little fashy. Kind of like, yeah, a little fashy, kind of kind of <laughs> horseshit. Um, and like... Yeah, no, no, they were terrible. The Brotherhood I hated of Steel... the fact I was attempting to do their plot because everything else glitched. Yeah, well, and so like, in Fallout 3, the Brotherhood of Steel were the good guys, and it felt yeah. weird. I mean, it didn't feel weird to me at the time because it was the first Fallout game I played, but as I played more Fallout games, I realized, what is up? And they do lampshade it, right? That is a splinter group of the of the Brotherhood of Steel that disagreed with, with BOS's mission and said, fuck you guys, we're going to go live the American dream, um, which is fine and appropriate for a Washington, D.C. set Fallout. I think that was a fine choice. But going back to... Uh, you know, some flavor of evil was was a good choice for the Brotherhood of Steel here, because it's yeah. it's debatable who's more evil, the Brotherhood of Steel or the Institute. Um, and I do enjoy that. I like that a lot, um, because I I don't Fallout. No one should be fully clean in the Fallout universe. I do believe that. Okay. But there are degrees, and the Fallout, the Brotherhood of Steel have a have an important degree to play. But I I agree that like giving you a reason to put up with their shit is of potential value. Um, yeah. Because, like, by the time I actually was doing any Brotherhood of Steel quests, I had better armor and resources than they were giving me. Yeah. 
So, like, that wasn't a helpful. And it's not like their base, like, flies around the map and is a resource that way. Like, it's just... It's a flying base that stays in one spot. Yeah. Maybe it does plot things later. I didn't get that far. I'm not aware of it if it does, but I also didn't play the Brotherhood. Oh, no, no. that uh, The Brotherhood of Seal plotline ends with Liberty Prime. The same Liberty Prime that you used to win the game in Fallout 3. It comes back yep. for Fallout 4. I guess somehow they got it from the Splinter Group or whatever. Um, yeah, we. I, I remember like working on building it and then like, oh, we got to take out the railroad first. And I was like, okay, if we have to. And then I got there and the person was gone. And you know what? Good for them. Yeah. Good for them for glitching out. You shouldn't have been getting murdered. <laughs> you realized that it was a bad place to be and decided not to? Great, great. Um, I think that there was a lot that they did right with Power Armor, but again, by the end of it, there just aren't enough resource sinks. There's not enough stuff to do with the stuff, and I think setting up towns to sort of be you know, holes in the ground into which you throw money and resources would at least... Yeah. It gives you a reason to go out and do stuff. Yeah, for sure. Like, and it solves it, it, it solves one problem with the other, which is always elegant, right? Like, you solve your <laughs> your economic problem by making it the solution to your town building problem. But mm-hmm. I feel like town building in particular um, was done without a vision. Um, and same thing with the dialogue, uh, right? Like, there was a lot of things that they oh, said. Oh, yeah, there wasn't the dialogue. That was the the one with the dialogue. It's just like it would tell you the mood, but not the words, right? Yes. Yeah, so you have no idea yeah. what's coming next. Um, and I like. Don't get me wrong. The sarcastic option, like snark, is a Boston area cultural value. So like they did that well, <laughs> and like snark was usually entertaining and and occasionally just absolutely brilliant. I remember uh, entirely bypassing a combat by killing someone with sarcasm. And it was just, I just could not handle how amazing that moment was, and I'm so glad it was in there. But other than that, like, they, and I know they actually spoke to this one. They did say that they did this because uh, they needed to cut down on the options that you were having because they were doing, this was the first time they did a fully voiced protagonist character. Yeah. And the budget necessary to have Fallout 3 or Fallout New Vegas levels of dialogue options come off of something it just gets prohibitively expensive and i get that and that's fair but but they did record all these lines because they're options you just can't see what the options are that uh but i also i also honestly think that going fully voiced was a mistake um i think that they they were hoping that it would increase the emotional investment in the character but instead i don't have any real control i'm just watching this character do their thing and i'm like making suggestions that are sometimes followed and sometimes not and uh it's not my character anymore so i don't feel that's invested in it i think i think it is difficult today for a company to put out a game that they are saying this is a triple a game we are charging 60 dollars for this is this experience and not have a voiced protagonist um, I'm not saying it's impossible or that it shouldn't be done. I'm saying that the general perception is to expect that voicing. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. I think, but I mean, they made $750 million so very... on day one, so Fallout 5 had better have a budget. <laughs> it's going to be a while. I mean, it was a long time between 3 and 4. So, I... I it was a console generation. I believe that they will, they will do Fallout 5 
I believe that it will be a while. Um, but I, this is an IP that's a cash cow for them. I don't think they're going to put it down. That's fair. Um, I would say that I almost don't expect the city building mechanics to be in a Fallout 5. I agree. And honestly, um, I'm okay with that. Like, what I care about is not, does it have this mechanic or that mechanic? What I care about is, is the setting that you have chosen and is the story that you are telling with that setting, do the mechanics that you do put in jive with that? So re- restoring civilization in the, the, you know, in the Boston area, you need city building for that. You don't need it for New Vegas because New Vegas is about, you know, sort of like hard scrabble life and, and being a scoundrel. Like we don't need more than survival and card games. Yeah. So, and like New Vegas was built around this mystery of who shot you, who tried to kill you and why. Yeah. Um, which, and sure, Fallout 3 was built around the mystery of where's your father, and Fallout 4 is built around the mystery initially of where is your son. Uh, and the answers to these questions are all of varying, uh, what is the word I want? Relevant. Satisfaction? Yes. And relevance? <laughs> and like also, um, like the Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 have in common that the original, the central conceit of the main quest line is really just something to get you out the door. The, the real is. draw is the super open world and, yeah. the, and like, the theme. I would even argue that once you have the answers for Fallout 4, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like. It really doesn't. What, what happened to your son doesn't change. I didn't change for me, at least anything I was planning on doing. No, it doesn't. Like very quickly, it stops being about find your son because by the time you figure out what's gone on there you have been exposed to a world that cannot be ignored and quite frankly it's not like you can in that case at least nothing you do is going to change your son right just like nothing you do in three is going to affect your father yep uh you can affect the people who tried to kill you in fallout new vegas though you can uh what's interesting (laughs) is that like fallout new vegas like fallout 4 and fallout new vegas have in common how the main storylines progress Right. Like, I mean, to a certain mm-hmm. point, to a certain point, like the who shot you is obvious from the cutscene. He looks you in the eye. Um, yeah. But he makes a point of looking you in the eye and then explaining to someone that he's doing that. Um, and then but at the end of the day, it's about a three nation war. Yeah. And the same is true in Fallout 4. Right. It's actually about who's going to control the Commonwealth um, yeah. and whether or not they're going to have Minuteman support. And I, yeah. I'm fine with I'm like that. I and having a hook story into that, that's that's great. I'm into it. Yeah, you have to give you have to give the player a personal stake before they have a world stake. Yeah. It is difficult to be invested in a game where you're just sort of like launched out the window and gone, Oh, you have to save the world. Like Yeah. Hell. Um I mean Oblivion God, does you... it, but they do it in a way that works. Yeah. Um, largely. I mean, Patrick Stewart um, tells you to save the world. You're not going to tell Sir Patrick Stewart no. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think that Fallout 4 had a lot of potential. And what they wanted to do with it, I applaud. And I'm not faulting them for trying to do new things. But a lot of these things right, look like right. they were designed either by committee or just without a, a real vision of what the game was about. And then there appears to have been some very unfortunate meddling 
late enough in the game that they didn't even have the wherewithal to remove the evidence, as it were. Yeah. So, I that was the point where I, I decided I was going to take a break. And Fallout 4's $750 million day one sales was not reflective of the quality of the game. It was reflective of the ambition of the promises. The right? It was the promises that yeah. they made and how well 3 and New Vegas were executed. And I think that 4 is actually not as good as 3 and certainly not as good as New Vegas. I think New Vegas is the best. See, a lot of people really like New Vegas and I walked away from New, New Vegas kind of lukewarm, but I also accidentally sided with the side I didn't want to side with. And then at that point, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to finish this because I just did the DLC that was like just felt racist with the, the Native American stuff, and it was like, you know what, I'm just done. Just Oof. Done. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it has its missteps. Um, yeah. But the, the sins it commits are far fewer and far less severe, I think, than those committed by 3 or 4. And I think 4 is definitely far, far and away um, more problematic in, in more areas than 3 is. Fair enough. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with Fallout 4? Gosh, isn't that enough? No, I, th I think we've pretty much covered it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I f it, it's worth asking before trying to wrap things no, up. No, it's, you know? it's true. It's true. Um, all right, then. Uh, for listeners who have lost the plot, uh, to summarize. So did Bethesda. Uh, it's okay. In, uh, let's see. Uh, instead of having the female protagonist be a lawyer and doing nothing with it, just use the soldier lines Jennifer Hale already voiced. Um, I've forgotten your second problem already. Uh, the, oh, uh, no. the, the war crimes where they should war crimes. They should don't, don't make the player commit war crimes and never do anything with that. Uh, either don't make them do it or at least have it, you know, matter and be discussed. Um, or just make a non-combat flag. One flag. Just make one flag. One flag, <laughs> potentially. Um, and then for settlements, either like commit harder or don't commit at all. Yeah. Uh, either way, I think could have been a, a more interesting game. Um, and all the economy things sort of end up building into that. Yeah. Uh, we fixed it. But yeah. Maybe maybe they could have fixed this. Maybe one. they could have. I think they could have. <laughs> I think it, I think they could have. I I also do think that we need a Fallout Civilization game now. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I want this. I'm sure there's a mod somewhere. Probably. All right. Uh, if anyone wants to, is there anywhere that people can find you online? With? Well, so the answer is uh, kind of. I have, as I said, I I created a blog. You can see my thoughts about Fallout Four, most of which I discussed here, some of which I discuss in more detail, but also I reviewed other games including deus ex and eve and stardew valley and whatnot um and that's available at literate comment all one word dot com um and then i have a twitter that is not in use much mostly because i both of these kind of went and fell by the wayside because i just finished my phd and that's kind of a thing so uh but i am i am looking to pick these projects up once i'm stable with a job and hopefully you know this pandemic stuff cools its jets for a little bit yeah that would let us all get a lot more done right uh charitably <laughs> um and i will throw a sting on of what i have i don't remember the url for my vlog so i'll come back in and edit that Whee! uh thank you for thank you for uh 
being on the show. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Glad to hear it. All right. Take care. The Maybe We Can Fix This podcast is produced by me, Morgan Le Fay. Theme music is by Incredible Unbelievable. And logo design is by Juliana Wheel. You can find some of my writings at morganemily.blog. And you can follow me on Twitter at MorganThePlay. Thank you for listening.